0: Support for Decoder comes from SAP Business AI. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty. Businesses around the world have found ways to harness its potential, like spotting inventory shortages before they happen, or supporting supply chain management. And it's very possible that your business could benefit from AI integration too. Unlock the potential of AI and discover even more possibilities with SAP Business AI. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level.
1: Hello, and welcome to Decoder. I'm Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge, and Decoder is my show about big ideas and other problems. Today, I'm talking to Steve Aoki, the superstar DJ, producer, and prolific entrepreneur. Steve owns a label called Dimock and he tours more than anyone. There have been years where he's played over 300 shows. And now he's launching a big web3 project called the Aokiverse, which of course involves selling tokens and NFTs and over time is meant to be part of the metaverse because of course. Now, I have always been utterly fascinated by the constant back and forth between tech and the music business. New tech makes it easier to create and distribute music, but every time that happens, the business model of the music industry changes. And my pet theory is that whatever happens to music today is a preview of what will happen to everything else in the future. Take streaming, for example. Spotify came to the United States in 2011, before Netflix had even done House of Cards. And now, as I sit here recording this, Apple and Netflix are contending for the Best Picture Award at the Oscars. Steve has been part of the music industry since 1996, so he's been through a lot of these tech transitions. And now with Web3, he's heavily invested in another. So I wanted to push on how he makes those bets about what's coming next, what the business of music is like for him today, and how he sees it changing. There's a lot of hype when it comes to artists and NFTs, so I wanted to try to understand it from the perspective of a very successful artist who also happens to be a pretty active investor. And of course, I wanted to push on the hype around the Aokiverse itself. Steve calls it a social club that will combine Web3, Web2, and IRL experiences. What does that really mean? And how is he going to manage that community? Like all blockchain entrepreneurs, I also wanted to know how he was thinking about the energy use and climate impact of this project. This one takes a lot of different turns. We talk a lot about how Steve manages his time and all the different roles he plays, and at one point he even manifests a future music collaboration. I think you're gonna like it. Okay, Steve Aoki, here we go. Steve Aoki, you're a DJ, you're a music producer, you're founder of the Aoki-verse. Welcome to Decoder.
2: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited to have you. I am personally fascinated by how art and business work together, especially in music. My personal belief is that whatever happens to the music business happens to everyone else five years later. And there's like a lot going on in music right now between NFTs and blockchain. You've got Uh the Aoki verse, which I want to talk about. But I want to just start with some foundation so people can understand kind of how the business was working. Yeah. So before COVID, before NFTs, before kind of everything went upside down, uh, what was your business like? How did, how did work work for you?
2: Outside of music and touring, I, like a primary part of my business was investing. So once I started making money, say like late 2000s, is when the DJing actually came through full bore and uh, started seeing some, some income. That's when... Um, I started doing some small investments, restaurants, mainly that's my family has been involved in restaurants since I was born. My my dad was a restaurateur. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, I might as well invest in something like that. So I kind of went into that world a little bit, actually as difficult of the business restaurants are in general, then nine out of 10 restaurants fail. Yeah. You know, it's like a very, very high likelihood that if you open something like nightclub restaurant, it's very well known. It's, it's like ninety percent chance it's gonna fail, but um, it's doing very well for me um, for the past, I guess like, ten plus years, and, and then I got into like properly investing, and then understanding how to position myself, in that space. I started a fund with Eminem called Eminoki, and that's pretty good. Yeah, it's I it was private fund. I mean, it was, all, it was just our money, and then we we basically were just getting into rounds. Of, like, more late stage investing, like Uber, Pinterest, Spotify, gone to SpaceX. You're in SpaceX? Yeah, I was, I mean, it was like a friends and family situation where I like, think some people that had stock were selling, and there's like a sliver of a chance to be able to participate in that. And uh, I was able to get in. So that was pretty awesome. I got into that, like, five years ago, or six years ago now, I guess. Art like 2010s i got that's when i started getting into alternative investments as well i definitely you know if you talk about business manager you're supposed to work at like a triangular business model where your pe and all the alternative investments are at the top end of the triangle and like your safe investments are at the bottom you know you know what i'm saying the pyramid yeah yeah Yeah. i get it i don't know the right terms (laughs) but uh I I, like if if it was up to me, it would be flipped (laughs) because it's just way more fun to get into like startups and like passion projects because that's how I started, you know, like Mm -hmm. my record label, myself as a yeah, consider myself an investment, you know, like what I do with music. That's PE. It's like you know I invested myself, but thank God I have you know someone else at the other end of the stick that gives me sound (laughs) advice, balances you out yeah but like it's pretty much more like a square it's not a pyramid at this point because i do so much in crypto now um i got into crypto like 2018. i I invest in art heavily i've some incredible pieces in my house and i don't sell like i'm what i've realized in the end i am a bag holder (laughs) so for the nft community they love me because i hardly ever sell Like I do Mm -hmm. sell now, like I have a team that helps me operate. So we try to get some cost basis back, but it's even rare. I even do that. Like, and I go and sweep floors. If I believe in a project, I don't just buy one, you know? And that's just how I learned my lesson that way. Like you never, like with art, I'll buy one, you know, because I'm just going to have it hanging in my wall or even toys. I like invested into some very high-end toys, like cause toys. I have a whole cause room of toys. But, you know, I, I guess in the end, like, you know, I'm a scattered right here. When it comes to investing and it comes to all that stuff, if I have it my way, it has to have a level of experiential value. It has to have something that I can have a sentimental attachment to. I'm far more likely to invest into that than say like a stock that, is gonna perform well. I'll let they let my business management handle that kind of stuff. If I'm yeah. gonna put my hands on it, it's like that's what the difference is between you know when I first got NFTs. The difference between like investing into a coin versus an NFT, because the back end of the technology is similar, but the front end is really important. And yeah. it's it's what that's how we identify. It's at the end of the day, it's you know we'll get to that I'm sure, but like. NFTs are the way we identify with culture, with other people, the way we communicate. And it's obvious, majority of the people that are very confused about NFTs, they don't see that. Like, they don't see that this is how people identify. They're like, you identify with a JPEG? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: it's right in the name. You know, the name is funny because I I know people think it's a bad name, non-fungible token, but it is the most literal description, right? You can't trade them for one another.
2: <laughs> it's like EDM. It's it's literally what dance music is, electronic dance music. It's EDM. <laughs> you know, yeah. an NFT is like literal definition of, of what you're getting. Yeah.
1: All right. So I, I want to talk about that. That's your investment side. One of the things I really want to explore with you is how NFTs in the music industry are colliding. So outside of the investment side, tell me how the music part of your business works or how it worked before COVID. Because I, I think People are often really confused about that because it, it's like a business that doesn't really make a lot of sense. How did that side of the business work for you?
2: The bu- business of music? Yeah. It's, it's like it feels non-existent. Um, really? Outside of shows. I mean, yes, so, you get like if you get a big sync, yeah, but like that doesn't happen all the time. You know, that's why it's, it's I mean, those things are rare. If you get a big sync on a song, that's how you, people get their payday. You that, get, and like, that's
1: in a commercial or in a movie, something like yeah,
2: that. Yeah, like if you get, and even like like some big uh, movie might be like lowballing you because it's such a big movie, you know, or you know if you get a commercial for Tide detergent, and <laughs> 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 you know, like you're paid like a hundred grand a side. It's like sweet, you know, especially if you wrote the song, you know, or if you're part you're participating in the publishing and the master, the master you're gonna you get paid on the master side, but like on the streams. For like 99.9% of the artists that are making music and putting it out there, you can't survive off of streaming income. You know, I don't, you probably know better than me, like how much we make on a stream. Spotify stream is like, I don't know, a fraction of a penny. So Yeah,
1: it's like 0.08 or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. So majority of people that are making music are not getting 100 million streams or 100 million views on YouTube. Where like, okay, then like you see some money, but like you, even if you're a big artist... Even for me, I mean, yes, I get like some really high streaming numbers on a few songs, but it's a few songs, and YouTube is like is also very low income stream per uh, view, you know. So it's it's just for sure I wouldn't be able to have the lifestyle that I have if I wasn't touring, because that's ninety five percent of my income. I would say. I mean, I don't even know the percentage. I'm just taking a wild guess here, but yeah, obviously, as you get bigger as an artist, you can find other ways to make money outside of the music business. Music business hasn't changed. It's it's kind of like once they set a standard, it's like they don't need to go up too far, mm-hmm. right? So the standard is you get this and that's what everyone else is paying. So whether you get 0.08 of a cent, yeah, let's say you get to 0.1 of a cent. It doesn't change much. It might be like you get your like, uh, you know, a level up there, but it's not enough, right? So clearly with NFTs and music it's providing a different way for musicians to be more engaged with their audience. And this is like, this is where it happens is that like you have the NFT community, the crypto community that are also looking into music as an art form because that's the conversation that's being had is that music is art. We all can agree on that. We all can agree that music is an art form, but it's not regarded as an art on the financial side of collecting. You don't mm-hmm. collect a song, right? You yeah. don't, you just listen to it. It's free. It's always been that way. It's how it is, but. Well, no, let me ask you about this.
1: So you started, yeah. you said, before you started, you said you've been running your record label Dim Mac for 27 years so it's like in the nineties, you started, I think in 1996, yeah. the nineties were crazy for record sales, right? Like CD sales are through the roof. Yeah. There's no streaming, there's no whatever. And then you like hit Napster and MP3s, that whole business gets turned upside down. Now we're in Spotify's world. There was a moment where you, you, know, I have a vinyl collection. I'm sure you have a much bigger vinyl collection. But like, you know, people still collect physical music. No one, I think collects digital music. How did you manage through that?
2: As a label?
1: Yeah, as, as the proprietor of a label, as an artist yourself.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like one of the first things we did during that period of time was did the unthinkable. It's like, okay, hey, um, we want to give away a song for free. They're like, what? The manager's like, no, no <laughs> chance. I'm like, I'm like, listen to me. This is where it's gonna have, it's gonna go. I know it doesn't make any sense, and I know like, we're, it's like everything is getting chopped off as far as how much money we're make- making. But this is how you're gonna make money, and I'm not participating on their touring. But you're gonna make more money when more people listen to your songs. Period. Yeah. You, by, by your shows. As far as on the business side of things, I feel like one thing that that I've I've always had in my back pocket is, is like, okay, we got to be a little bit more earlier. We got to do something that other people aren't doing and take that leap forward that's, that's like a bit scary, a bit speculative. The haters gonna come out, but fuck them, let's go. Like, you know, <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, I definitely went into the space guns blazing like that and it worked and I was like, just trust me on this on one song and like, there's so much more visibility on the single. And but like here's the thing to answer your question on the business side it didn't really help us short-term long-term yes that's how you have to think i think about whenever you do these speculative moves it's like you can't think about short-term gain or else you're doing it for the wrong reason period that's just like one of the one of the life lessons i've learned it's like I'm, I'm here i'm not going anywhere what i've been doing my label it's not like, oh, we got to make all this money on this artist or band, whatever, <laughs> and, and then boom, we're out. <laughs> no, we're like here to establish an even larger community of people that support us, you know, starting in like these small rooms into like bigger rooms into, you know, arenas to whatever and keep growing it and keep servicing them and keep like advancing. And, you know, fast forward to now, this is exactly the same kind of concept. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I, I, this is the future. Actually, I can't, it's not like I'm not going anywhere. Like, this is how commerce will be. So mm-hmm. regardless if I'm not going anywhere, it, it'll be here. Like, that's why I'm like, I, I see like these people that get into the NFT space and and then like there's these rugs that are happening. I'm like, don't you see next year? Everyone's going to be doing it and you just rugged yourself. You rugged yourself from, <laughs> from what how people... You know, this is how commerce will be. This is how we will communicate. This is going to be become very normalized, you know? So I just, you have to think about the long game.
1: Yeah. This actually kind of leads me into what I think of as the classic decoder question. I asked everybody this question. You run a lot of businesses. You're an artist. You're obviously an investor in a lot of different things. How do you make decisions? What's your, what's your thought process when you go through a decision?
2: Decision. uh you know, it's, it's a balance of passion because it's like, you know, I only have so much time in the day. So you got to be like, is my passion going to lead me into making sure I carve this amount of time in my day because, you know, time is all we have. And my time, you know, just like everyone else's time is valuable. And um, my schedule is stacked, like stacked beyond belief, but it's stacked with things that I that I'm obsessed with. That i that i love so passion's got to lead the way and then the economics is important you know you have to like think about that too because if it's all entirely passion, you, you know i learned the, the hard way and that's where you have teams that's where you have teams involved that can provide a different you know just angle at at what you're doing give you more insight more just information on your choice so like I, I i do keep my mind open i think it's also important to not be stubborn and to know when you're wrong and to know that you're not always right i think it's important you you have the right team because those people are saying stuff to you that actually can change your decision you know and you keep trusting time and time again and this decision isn't really true to your core regardless of the money it's uh you know you're picking the wrong team so you have to find the right team. I've asked this question of the biggest CEOs and individual creators.
1: It's funny how the answers all kind of line up at the end of the day. They're all different, but they all line up. And I think to me, it's one of the most important questions we ask on the show because honestly, few people take the time to step back and think about it. And it's like kind of the most important thing you do with your
2: time. Yeah, actually, you know, actually, I'm going to go into that. I think it's yeah. important for everyone to step back from what they do on the daily grind and ask themselves the question, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Because like, it's okay to be like, this isn't for me. Even though it feels like it is. And you only have one life. I I always think about that too. Like I only have like what, you got to think about the time that you have on, on the planet. Like my average life expectancy is like, I'm in good health, maybe 90. Mm-hmm. But like 80 is like pretty much like you know, you don't, you generally think you might want to slow
1: down at some point, man. You're a yeah, worker.
2: 75, 80, I say 80, maybe like it's us yeah. slow down. So I have 36 years left. Like that's it? 36 <laughs> years? Only three decades? Yeah. Third, three decades. And some of these decisions that you make, <laughs> it's not like, yo, yeah, we'll do this and um, we'll get out of it soon. No, like most of the decisions I make are long-term, like lifelong term you know, there was no end in sight, no exit with Dimock, mm-hmm. my record label. There's no exit. You know, I know, I know like when you, when it comes to like real big businesses, you think of the exit, like five years, we're going to sell, we're out, we're going to do something else. A lot of the stuff I do, there's really no exit. I mean, yes, some cases, yes. I mean, I'm going to continue to build. It becomes a part of me and maybe partners will come in. So I guess that's the exit because I'll, I'll get some money out of The equation for myself, yeah, but I have to consider, like, 36 more years. Is this going to be part of my game plan for that? And there's a legacy attached to that, too, afterwards.
1: That question, I'm telling you, I ask that question almost every episode. It it leads places that you would never expect, so that's why I ask it. You are a worker. This is the thing about you. You tour more than anyone. I saw a stat that one year you toured 361 days of the year, which is crazy. You do a lot of things. How do you decide... What is Steve, the performer time, Steve, the investor time? How do you manage all that?
2: Okay, Steve, the performer time is only two hours. Okay. That's what people forget. It's, but the traveling is a fucking crazy time sink, for sure. Traveling and then the side effect of traveling is a time sink, a brain sink. It, it takes away from the brain cycles, for sure. Uh, you know, when you're zombieing through jet lag, it's fucking hard to be like optimal, you know? And I'm still trying to figure that biohack out because I do travel, I mean, pre-COVID, I was a glo- I'm a global artist. So it's not like I'm just doing like one or two or three different time zones, you know? I'm like traveling across the country like every other week. So I was I did China, I think, you know, 14 tours in China in like two years or something, three years. So was every other month I was in China, then I was in Ibiza, then I was in you know Europe, across Europe, then back to America and Central America, South America, Asia. It's like it, it never ends as far as a jet lag. I was a constant jet lagger. <laughs> um, so that's tough. But I have a really good team as far as making sure that everything's on schedule, everything's on point. I, I regard my schedule like the grail. Like I mm-hmm. – I really stick to my schedule, and as far as being a hundred percent with what I'm doing on the schedule, that's also very important. That's a big part of that. So, I mean, out of all the shows that I've done, you know, I never broke under two hundred shows a year for fifteen years. So, out of all those shows, I I think I've only missed a few. My track record of re- reliability is like the UPS man: rain, sleet, or snow, I'm there. Like, I, yeah. I will make it there however way I need to. I will do whatever in my power it is. Uh, but sometimes the act of, uh, act of God comes or I just get feel sickness or whatever it is and, then, and it's, that's it, like I just can't go. I mean, this is like, it's not just shows or just an aspect of one thing I do in my life that's really important. So I try to really maintain that alongside everything else. And in order to do all that, in order to be able to make it to all those things, you have to be a mental athlete. Mm-hmm. There's no other choice. If I've decided to take on all this stuff, which I, and, and trust me, the NFT world, Aokiverse is a major time sink in a good way, in a really exciting way, in the future development way, you know, we're building a world, you know, with all that going on, you have to sacrifice certain things that, will not allow you to be optimal. It's so important to be optimal so that I go into things with my team and they have to be optimal too. You have to have like, just like I was talking about before, it's like you, the, the team you pick has to be with you, we're going together, we're moving forward at, at this speed, at this pace, this tempo, and the train does not stop. And I like that, I, you know, you have to want that, you have to like that and you have to train like an athlete. I love this kind of boot camp mentality, though. Physical, mental, spiritual boot camp.
1: So, one of the things that I find in my life is I, I wear a bunch of hats. One of them is a management hat, one of them is a creative hat, one of them is a podcaster hat. S- switching context for me from it's my creative time to I'm talking to other people about other stuff is I need to schedule that time to be creative, yeah. and to switch modes. Do you have to do that? Or are you a mental athlete? Can you just go from one to the other? Like, can you walk out of a business meeting and ride on stage?
2: Yes, 100%. That's crazy to me. I would not be able to do that. Okay, okay. What what's even more difficult is, cause I've mastered the nap. <laughs> I think this is far more difficult. So it's like, you know, I did I did five different countries in 40 hours, five shows in 40 hours. So the only, uh, the ounces of sleep I was getting was on the, the transportation. I remember like one show, like we're like, literally, I was driven right to the back of the stage they're like, I could hear them chanting my name. This, I'm on, I'm and I'm still like asleep. Like, I can hear them, and they're like, My manager's like shaking my arm, like, You gotta hit the stage right now. We just arrived, and they're chanting your name, and they're like, You have to, and like, you know, 30 seconds is all I really needed. And I just got to stage, and boom, like, you know, you just feel it, you know, like, I'm just excited. Like, at the end of the day, it's just follow the excitement and the passion, and and yes. When I go from like, let's say the the polar opposite mental hats that you're talking about, yeah, um, you just you just have to accept that your brain isn't going to be able to uh, adjust so quickly, and you're just going to have to just like fail a little bit in in like the first part. But when once I'm, once I'm going, I I catch up, and I'm like riding on my horse, and I'm good. I'm I am flying, but like I always accept that like you know, it's just part of who I am. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like, luckily I'm, I have some leniency from people that, that are listening to me to, to kind of give me some benefit of the doubt.
1: We're to take a quick break, but stick around because when we come back, we're going to talk about Steve's new metaverse platform,
0: the Aokiverse. Support for Decoder comes from SAP Business AI. It's all over the internet. AI this, AI that. Your friend is turning his cat into a Monet painting. Your coworker used a chatbot to write a sonnet about pancakes. AI isn't the stuff of science fiction anymore, but it's also more than the gimmicks we see on a day-to-day basis. If you're a business owner, AI can offer real solutions to help you scale and innovate. It might be time to check out SAP Business AI. SAP Business AI can help you automate repetitive tasks, optimize inventory management and supply chain analysis, and identify opportunities for growth in your operations. SAP Business AI can help you with finance, sales, marketing, human resources, procurement, supply chain, and so much more. Like guarding against fraud with AI-assisted anomaly detection, or receive data-driven prescriptive guidance at critical decision points. They even have a generative AI roadmap to help you discover upcoming and cutting-edge innovations for your business. Who knows what innovations are around the corner? Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI.
3: Learn more at sap.com slash AI. Support for this podcast comes from HIMSS. It can be a challenge for men to speak up about their health, and oftentimes that's rooted in the fear of being vulnerable. But there are just some things we'd rather keep to ourselves. HIMSS knows how you feel, which is why they are looking to provide you with the help you need discreetly. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hims.com/decoder. That's h i m s.com/decoder for your personalized treatment options. hims.com/decoder. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hims.com/verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan.
1: We're back with Steve Aoki. We spent the first part of this interview talking about who you are, how you make decisions, how musicians make money, all that stuff. So now we got to talk about the Aoki-verse. So COVID hits, touring goes away. That's what you're spending all your time on. You got deep into NFTs. You jumped in really hard. What drove you in that direction?
2: I'm already like a crypto believer. Yeah. So I think that's actually the foundation is important. Like I'm already pretty savvy in the space. Uh, before I was in the NFTs, during COVID, that was the opportune time. It really was for everyone like me that has some money to invest, believes in alternative investments, believes in art, mm-hmm. believes in collectibles, believes in crypto. There's a lot of different like reasons why I, I jumped in, and that's also why I, I jumped in. There's so many different angles of why it makes sense to me. On the collecting side, on, on the investing side, you know, on the curating side, on the creative side, there's just so much more I could participate in. And at the same time, I was getting into cards, sports cards, Pokemon cards. And, you know, later on down the line, I formed my own TCG company with the founder of a that, that was already developing this particular brand. And we're doing absolutely incredible with this. So I, I'm heavy into the card world to that whole space the collectible space right so uh, it's like on the collecting side for nfts i'm already there like you know certain things that you love certain things you believe in and you understand the communities and that's the other thing too is the community side of nfts is just as important as the art as the technology behind it the utilities behind it the communities is really really important by far The community that are part of each of these projects, far more important than any other industry I've ever been a part of, whether you're like an investor in Tesla and you're like part of the, you you own the stock and you you have a voice, you know, essentially it's very similar, but this is way more of a two-way street, way more transparent, way more real time. Yeah. And that's also important when I created the Aokiverse membership community is that we have to be real time. We have to deliver fast. And, you know, some other the, the projects that I was part of, I wasn't seeing the delivery as, as fast as I would like. And this is where I was like, this is something, when I created the Aokiverse, I was like, wow, there are like multi layers to what we can deliver to this community. Real time, real world stuff, you know. I'm excited to do these like shows. Like I'm doing the first Aokiverse only event exclusively for passport holders during NFTLA so that's about to happen we haven't even announced it yet so you guys definitely there's a the scoop yeah there's there's some alpha there um <laughs> that's what's exciting is that like i want to do this just for the the, the citizens of the Aokiverse because a uh, part of the, being in the Aokiverse you get a passport and you can grow your passport and level up your passport yeah
1: let's talk about that a little bit. so the Aokiverse is your community. I've seen it described as a token-gated social club. You just described it as a membership community. On the website, it says it's a Web3 meets Web 2.0 meets IRL, which is great. Tell me what all that means. How does it work?
2: It's everything that we just said. It's a social club. It's a membership community. It is Web2, Web3, IRL, all combined into one because there is the real-world utilities and offerings the live shows, there's actually one person that made it to the highest level, level six. And on level six, one one of the offerings is, I'm gonna make a record with this person. Wow. They're gonna come to the studio, we're gonna make a record and we're gonna release it together and it's gonna be Steve Aoki and XYZ, you know, dropping a record. And, you know, here's the thing. I don't just work with musicians and artists. I, I made a song with Bill Nye. I made a song with J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. Ray Kurzweil, like scientists, thinkers, the probably one of the most exciting collabs I've never done that, that I'm putting out to this space. The ether, hopefully it comes back, is doing a record with Elon Musk. Yeah, You know, I just like to me, I just see the spirit of someone in the studio with me when I'm creating, you know, it can turn into something beautiful. But in any case, a lot of stuff happening at my shows, that kind of access to the shows I'm already doing, the shows that we're going to be creating. And drops, obviously physical drops, digital wearable drops, the fidgetal drops, right? Combining both. I think one one thing that's really exciting to announce here too is the first collab that we're doing with My Little Pony, <laughs> which is, <laughs>
1: that's I great. think,
2: dude, I swear to God, every, every time I've like announced, like I talked about this in Twitter spaces, everyone's so excited. That's the thing, like we do collabs, my brand, Dimock, fashion, like our merch line. We do tons of licensing deals with really big anime and cult IPs that I love. I grew up with like Matrix and Gremlins to now My Little Pony to like Naruto, Dragon Ball, Bleach, Attack on Titan, things like that. A lot lot of anime stuff. But the first uh, drop we're doing is going to be exclusive. We're going to do an exclusive uh, collection from My Little Pony for all the AV members. We've also got the next chapter of Dominion X. My first NFT drop I did, Character X, and then we we launched with Stupid Buddies, Seth Green's uh, stop-motion animation company, created Dominion X. Seth and I were doing the Dominion X NFT collection, the PFP is coming soon uh, with exclusive early access to just passport holders.
1: Can I get on the weeds on just like how the passport works and stuff? So this is stuff about these communities that I think are utterly fascinating, right? They're all built on the blockchain. These are all tokens. You should theoretically be able to sell them and resell them. So yes. on yes. the website, it says Aoki credits are ERC-1155 uh, NFTs. They're on Ethereum. You buy a bunch of those and then you can trade them in for an Aokiverse verse passport, which is itself an NFT. So when you trade them in and there's 30,000 NFTs, the, the credits, to start. When people trade them into you, you get them back. Do you get to resell them?
2: Yeah, so when you when you trade them in, you essentially burn them. Oh, you burn them, okay. There's like whatever credits left over, and people, you know, obviously, the more they burn, the less are in population, mm-hmm. and presumably, you know, that drives the uh, the price of the credits up. But you you uh, use up the credits to level up your passport, and as you level up your passport, it goes from level one is one credit, uh, level f- level two is four credits. Level three is 16 level four, is 64 uh, level five is, I forgot what it was like 256 and level six is a thousand something, you know, it's all in multiples of, uh, of four. Okay. Sure. Each level has different applicable rewards and utilities and, and uh, offerings.
1: So what if some, this is such a dumb question. Like the idea is to get a lot of people in the community, right? Yeah. What if someone buys a lot of the credits? Like what, what happens then? Because this is a part of buying and selling your way into a new community that I think we're, it's early, so we're still learning. But to right. me, the, right. the idea that there'd be an Aoki verse whale that just like chokes out right. the community seems like a problem that may or may not happen.
2: I think it's difficult to do that because there are whales here, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one there's already one whale that got to Black Prism level 6.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And there's a few level 5s. There's, I think, five members that are level 5s. If you look at the floor of... The credits, they still are around the same price. I think it's like, uh, right when we launched the Passport, it was like 0.1. And I think that maybe, that, maybe it's a 0.15. I'm not sure, I have to check the floor again. But it's, yeah, later on as these credits burn, the floor will decidedly go up. That's for the market to decide that, you know.
1: Right, so, and the Passport itself is an NFT. So can people resell the Passport?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could level up because here's the other thing too, is that, uh, we're building out a mechanism. Um, and by the way, the, the dev behind this is manifold. And to me, they're the best dev on web three period. Mm-hmm. You know, they just like all the stuff they've done previous to Aoki verse with pox pages to poets, which I thought was phenomenal with mad dog Jones, a generated project with, uh, you know, everything they've worked on has always been out of the gate something unique. So we kind of like launched this with a culmination of a lot of the ideas that that already existed and put together, whether it's like, you know, I love the hundreds, Adam Bomb Squad, Fidgetal Concept, because they had their, their merch company, their fashion company, right? And I, I offer the same thing. That's why we're doing these drops with My Little Pony. We're gonna do Attack on Titan next. And then we're gonna be working with other NFT projects and dropping exclusive collabs inside of AOKiverse with great projects that, to me, are blue chip. And you have that aspect. You have what Gary V and V Friends has done on building out what VCon is going to look like, which I'm going to be speaking at as well. Um, but I guess what my question with the passports is like, this stuff is all really
1: new. So I'm just thinking of the corner cases, right?
2: Yeah, sure, of course.
1: What if someone buys all thirty thousand credits? And then they turn them into level six passports, and then you hold the show, and there's 30 people there. Like that's
2: that's that's fine with me.
1: That's fine with you. Okay, because that's a weird outcome, right? It could happen.
2: Okay, so that could happen, but I think there's like 2,000 between two to three thousand members, sure, of the Aokiverse. So that could have happened is not happened. You know, you're right. There's someone that could have done that, but like for example, I played. Uh, I played for Gala Games. Mm -hmm. So Gala Games, I played their Vegas show, the first Vegas show they did. And I just played in L.A. And it was like, I think they booked out Doja Cat, Aziz Ansari, uh, but they couldn't make it for some reason. But uh, Kings of Leon and myself and... You know some other DJ friends. Blau was also like you know clearly like you know who Blau is and other DJs, right? And and I show up it's the forum. The forum holds twenty thousand people. <laughs> okay, but Gala Games is doing an exclusive community uh, show, and they brought in the heavyweights and they turned this twenty thousand cap venue, legendary iconic venue in LA and made it special for 200 people. That's amazing. 200 people, maybe 300, I don't know. Her was playing too, Her. She was phenomenal. That's something that's like uh, aspirational. I mean, they have an incredible business and incredible community, and they're taking care of them, you know? I I love that. I think it's it's, it's, it's like, you could do anything. Like for me, it's gonna be a different feeling when I play this Aoki-verse, show. yeah. I don't care if there's five people there. I really don't care because I look at each person as people that believed in the Aoki verse membership that got themselves a passport. It's going to be so much more meaningful to me because I know where every single person came in from.
1: How does that generate revenue over time? So once all 30,000 credits are burned and there's however many passports and you're playing shows for those people, where do, where do you get more money from?
2: The secondary.
1: So when people resell the passports, that's where that's how you get paid. Yes.
2: Yeah, so there's a secondary. The, the Aoki IP or whatever company participates in the secondary. I mean, th- like when we when we launched this, we wanted to be a very healthy cross section of NFT culture and community that's participating, not just Aoki fans. So we reached out to all the different communities that supported us in the last year, which is when we started. Designing this about like about like six to eight months ago, so we reached out to all these different communities. So like we really wanted a very diverse broad base. You know, reaching out to like fuck renders team to janksy squad to uh, the doodles camp to you know Adam bomb squad to blouse camp to. I mean, it just looks like twenty four different communities that were all part of the launch of Aokiverse. So I think in in now what that does. You know as far as like building the community is it just brings in a lot more different kinds of ideas different like reasons why they're a part of it it makes the discord way more vibrant yeah. you know like conversation is going to be not about just one thing there's gonna be different you know things that they want things that they're looking for things that they're excited about things that they value and that's one thing that as a social club and this is where the social club fits perfectly is that we're going to communicate and actually connect with a lot of these different partners, the dead fellows to whatnot, and do really cool offerings from our community and their community and do something exclusive for what we're doing. You know, whatever those offerings might be.
1: When you have a community like that, we, this is one of those, like, I end up asking everybody this question. You've run a discord. Do you have moderators? Are people keeping it clean or people keeping the racists out how does that work
2: yeah it's a, that's a good question and uh yeah we have moderators and you know we have our weekly calls and meetings about uh how it's going in the discord and you know I definitely rely on them to do all that stuff so that's um i mean, think it's, it's really important yes it, it, it is because like you know That's what you hear all the time. It's like, oh my God, this so-and-so community's Discord got hacked like by this and that, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you're not impenetrable, you know, (laughs) Um, it's like it happens to everybody. I think at this point in time, as people have ventured into the space, that's one of the big notifications and conversations and initial dialogues is be careful with like whoever's saying what to hit this link to do this. You know, it's double check and make sure it's just,
1: but are your moderators double checking for you?
2: Yeah, that's their job, right? So yeah, they might miss through the cracks. It might, some things get dropped, but you know, it, it goes right back to making sure you have a quality team.
1: So if your level six passport owner goes, and I, I don't mean to impugn this person, cause they're yeah, long, yeah, yeah, but you ahead. have a level yeah. six passport owner, they go on the discord, they say some silly shit, or they try to do a scam. Do you boot them and take the passport away?
2: God, I haven't even thought about that. I mean, there's like a different conversation we have level six. Okay. So level six, the level six passport has it's like we I have like a one-on-one Discord with them. Okay. So I mean, would a level six do something like that? You, yeah, you're right. It's possible. You know, it's, it's possible for anything in, in the world to happen, you know. But I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah. If someone's gonna invest all that money and time and energy and be a part of it at, at such a high level. What like would they try to rug everyone and try to like scam other people? It's very very difficult for me to see that happening. Is it like is is it possible? Yeah, it's possible, but is it likely? No, it's, it's highly unlikely. I, I'm just curious. Like again, it's
1: early, right? So I'm just thinking, like, let me pull the string all the way.
2: Yeah, of course you have to definitely like. I think that's the only way you can safeguard or protect. You know, is by. Asking every question you can, so that that you know there's levels of protection there because you're right. It is. It's early. It's decentralized. Yeah. It's like, the only way you we're going to move forward with innovation, technically and philosophically. Is is uh is with these kinds of questions, you know?
1: We're going to take another break, but when we come back, we'll dig even more into the consequences of putting the Aoki verse on the blockchain.
3: Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.
0: Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level.
1: We're back with Steve Aoki talking about some of the consequences of Web3. Let me wind us down with what I think are some of the most important questions of all. You're on Ethereum. Yep. The criticism of all of this stuff Whenever anyone talks about NFTs on our site or we talk about the podcast, the feedback I get from our audience is all this stuff is so energy inefficient. It's so horrible for the climate. It's all a scam. But the worst thing is the climate aspect, right? You're burning yeah. a lot of energy to do this stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a club. You could just not do it on the blockchain. Do you think about the climate aspect of all this?
2: Yes, I do. It definitely is a very important topic. And it's something that needs to be addressed in a way that uproots all of it you know that there's a way that we could figure out how to build a more ecologically friendly foundation underneath the actual blockchain yes it's like it needs to happen you know but like i guess if this is a question like is it worth doing or not doing well i'm building in the space i really am hoping for People that are way more versed in, in understanding how to make that happen, happen. You know, like, I, I, it's like, it's definitely a hope and dream that we can actually find a way to, to make it more ecologically sound. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But you don't think the climate aspect outweighs the opportunity aspect? Because I think that's the complaint, right? If I had to sum it up is, yeah, there might be a lot of opportunity. Yes, this might be better for musicians. Yes, there's a direct relationship. The climate stuff is so bad, the thing is so inefficient that we should wait, or you should use a different blockchain that is more efficient or right. somewhere down the line. So, but you picked Ethereum, so I'm just wondering how you made that decision.
2: Uh, well, when I first got into NFTs uh, through Nifty Gateway, that's on the Ethereum blockchain, that's like where we were able to source it all. It's like, I still, I can't really answer that question for you mm-hmm. um, in detail. That's something that um, just, we have this conversation with my team about, do we switch to Solana? Yeah. Do we switch to another blockchain? And, and actually, you know, I love Solana. I love what they're doing. I think it still needs a, some work and it still needs a, a way to build into a premium NFT blockchain provider. But I, I do love it. And I, and I do plan on working with Solana. So, yeah, I mean, that's that could be the pivot, you know? I mean, there's – we definitely have, like, there's a lot of different people on the team that actually make these decisions as well. So it's just kind of, like, go with what we're all going for yeah. for the time being.
1: I hear this all the time, right? You're describing a bunch of people in a club. They can buy and sell the tokens. That is mostly happening inside, right? Like, you're not interfacing with the world a whole bunch. Why does this have to be on blockchain at all? Why do not you just – Set up a server and a little social network and do it like super Web two.
2: I think the the yeah the, the big difference is exactly what you just said. I mean the whole idea is that we're moving towards Web three. Mm-hmm. That's the main difference. Is Web two is you don't own anything. You like yeah you know so I I always put it like this like yeah I always fly American Airlines because I want to get my points up, but I'm the highest level of American Airlines. I can never sell it. <laughs> You know, like it's the same thing with like certain things that I, that I always use it. I, that is part of my, you know, the way, the way I decide, like, I, of course I could fly United all the time, but I decided American and I'm like an American flyer, you know, I'm concierge key. Like I, I'm proud of that. I can't sell it. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> if I, I wish I had the opportunity to, It's not like I don't want to sell. It's like I want to have the opportunity to sell it. So I think that's the main difference is web three allows you to like if this is like the world that the social club that you subscribe to whether it's like Soho house your Soho house membership you don't you can't sell it i like going to Soho house i like going there feeling like i can have my meetings here i can you know do my thing here you know i, I like i enjoy being in that environment so i'll pay that you know whatever i pay to be part of that i can't sell it so i think that's the main difference is this ability to sell it to be able to grow it and sell it. You know, you could micro level into your, in your levels. Eventually we're going to be able to do that where you can gamify it, where you go to all these different shows and you can start micro leveling in your level. Yeah. And you could grind it all the way up. You grind it up to a different level. And then you spend all this time grinding it to this level and have all your PO apps and all, all the different badges and stamps in your passport that, that allow you to grind. And, uh, when you get to a different level, you're like, you know what? I, I want to sell it. You have every the ability to do that.
1: That's cool. Uh, so this, is, this leads right into my last kind of big think question, and I have been excited to ask you this question the whole time. This might, might be the only question I have. You're in it when it comes to art and commerce and finance, right? And I'm yeah. like a hippie, and I'm like, the point of art is to be democratic and to improve people's cultural lives and to knock people out of their comfort zones and we have spent an hour talking about financialization, right? Buying and selling things, creating tokens, creating markets, grinding so you can resell a product that is based on your experiences. Where do you see that tension? Do you do you ever worry that art, music is just getting too financialized that NFTs are kind of creating all these monetary incentives around culture?
2: I think we haven't really even made a dent. Yeah. in culture. We just haven't even like we made a dent within our small world for sure. But as far as like cultural ramifications, we have we're like so small. We're like you know, such a small percentage of of the whole space. I just think it's going to start changing. Yeah, you're right. The dialogue will change with let's say for example with music. The dialogue's going to change when you know, your favorite artist is doing an NFT and it's it's art it's like, yeah, you can actually listen. The whole world could listen to Radiohead's album. But Tom York is making something special with that album limited to only a certain number for people that love that album and love Radiohead. And then it provides a income stream and a conversation in a way that never happened before. It adds a different layer. It allows it to be viewed as art the same way that you, you would buy a piece. I mean, it's just, it's exciting to be honest. And I think at the end of the day, it's up to the artist, right?
1: So I don't know. I I think that's the thing. I'm, you know, this is, again, this is me just pulling the string. It's early, but I don't know. I think a lot of what we've talked about is based on the fact that unfortunately in the current system, the music itself isn't worth very much money, right? And we're moving the value to everything else. And the music is kind of becoming for a lack of a better term, like marketing for the stuff that is worth money.
2: That's right. Music is meant to be at this point, the way we view music is meant to be free and heard, Mm -hmm. but you're, you're adding a different layer to it of scarcity where it has an art impact of scarcity. So, I mean, like I said, like it's up to the artist. it's up to the artists. If they decide they want to even venture down that path,
1: But can any artist realistically make that choice? That's what I'm, that's, that's like my pull the string all the way. Like, will you be able to make money as an artist if you're like, I'm just going to do music and then the music isn't worth anything?
2: Well, it's up to the, it's also up to the market. It's entirely up to the market. Yeah. That's the other thing that's exciting about the whole world is like the market decides the market will decide if they're going to spend money on XYZ, the band that just came out was like, Hey, I want to make money off this album that no one's heard of. And the market will decide if they, like, they want to pay for it. They're going to decide what the floor is. They're going to, they're going to decide with their wallets Yeah. at the end of the day. You know, it's like, let the market decide. Let the artist decide if they want to do it. But, like, why not allow this conversation, this way of viewing music as art, why not allow that to happen?
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I'm... I mean, I wouldn't allow it. like I
2: yeah, yeah, I'm not just saying like you know, like it's like, no, I'm just like pulling the string the other way because yeah. the artist doesn't have to do it, right? You don't have to do it. You can just release music. It's fine. That's just how it is,
1: but then you won't make any money,
2: yeah. you you only make money in the confines of how it works, yeah, right, you're right.
1: So I, I think that's the tension that I'm like really interested in, right? Like it's at some point the music itself should be valuable, not connected yeah, to- Yeah, but
2: that's a different conversation here. That's yeah. has nothing to do with NFTs.
1: Yeah, but if NFTs are the, the big opportunity-
2: You're, Are you saying the NFTs take away from the potential for music to have its own value?
1: I'm saying the incentives are more about the- If the money is on the NFTs, everyone's incentive is to focus on that instead of the music, which is, again- in my like '90s, don't sell out worldview. The music is like the most important thing.
2: Oh, I know, but I think it's like two people talking over over each other's heads because the music is going to exist regardless. Interesting. It's going to be out there for people to listen to. It's, it's like we said, it's basically free. Mm-hmm. You know what we're talking about with Spotify. They're like you know they might increase a little bit extra money for people to make money, but it's not going to be a game changing effect. It's always going to be at that level free. Yeah. So it's going to exist. But if you want, if there's someone that's like, hey, I absolutely love this album and its attachment to this particular rarity, scarcity of this NFT of art that's connected to this emotion I feel when I listen to the song, and I want to be the person that owns one of those few hundred pieces of that. Why not? Yeah. Why not allow that conversation dialogue to exist? It's up to the person buying it in the market that dictates what the value is and up to the artist to actually allow it to happen.
1: I think that's an amazing place to end it. I will say this I think you should come back in like a year and we should talk about how it's going because it is early. Yes. We're talking about some hazy ideas that are going to get a lot clearer in like even just a year.
2: For sure. Oh, yeah. In six months. <laughs> I feel like you're a veteran in NFT space. You've been in here for like six months. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, like I got a PhD in NFT. It's only been here for the six months. It's, just, it's like that early, you know, like I, I get it, getting into NFTs in like summer 2020. I feel like, wow, that was so long ago, uh, you know, dropping my first collection in February of 2021. <laughs> it feels like, you know, it was a year ago. I mean, literally a year ago, I dropped my first collection and, and it feels you know i mean there's so much that that's out there but i feel like incredibly knowledgeable about what i understand now but you know what's exciting is it's just you just every day there's something a new level a new way to advance it forward do something that's interesting keep building on this idea of community because that's really what it's all about you know yeah beyond the art beyond everything it's about this two way combo with community and and delivering like incredible experiences. It's just, at the end of the day, it's like I, I go back to the real world stuff, you know, real world shit. At the end of the day, our life is a bunch of ex- based on a bunch of experiences, right? Yeah. And you want those experiences to be meaningful, whether it's spending time with your family, or going to a live event where you feel something, listening to a song that makes you cry, you know, looking at art that makes you melt being part of communities that, that that make you feel connected. We need to continue building off that. You know, like the same, the same way I'm going to my shows and I play a show, I literally... The reason why I play so many shows is because I'm obsessed with just like that that level of connection I'm having with different crowds through this music. I'm not even barely saying anything on the microphone, yet I'm connecting with strangers. Mm-hmm. Those are moments that are so important. So it's like, how do you encapsulate that and bring it into what the future looks like, you know? Yeah. So
1: I'll tell you when I was, um, I'm old now, but when I was in my twenties, before my friends and I would do something crazy, we would always say, life is a collection of experiences. And I think about that all the time.
2: Uh, It really is though. Yeah. It's, it's all it is.
1: Sometimes was experience we maybe shouldn't have had some of them, but yeah, we did. I, yeah, yeah, yeah
2: uh, we're, we're, we've all had that. <laughs> we've all had that.
1: Steve, this is great. I really do want you back in a year to talk about where this has all gone and what you've learned, because it is the beginning, and I feel like a lot of these threads are going to get pulled. But this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: And I, and I do want to say that what we're doing with Aoki Verse and the passports and this com- this community membership and this social the social club because essentially. People are are like if if you see what I've been doing in the past year with NFTs, and you're like, I really love this kind of this whole world because it's really a multiverse where you know it's like the multiverse of communities that I'm a part of. Essentially, that's what it is. Yeah. you When you enter in the space, you're like, I want to be part of that. You know, I, I want to I want to be part of all of that's happening in the Aokiverse. That's why you enter in the space, and then you start. You know, we, we start understanding, oh, you really like that? Okay, we're going to try to deliver that if that's possible. Like those kinds of fun activities. I really believe, like you said, in a year's time, that there will be other people in the space that are in the center of certain things that, that you will love, whatever it is. Let's say you love cars and there's like one guy that's just, or girl that is just in the middle of like car culture and they're like, This is our membership community to all things in the car culture. And I really love this person that's in the middle of all that. They should have a membership community that bridges all that to the people that want it, right? Yeah. This is basically that. I think it's what's going to happen is that in a year's time, there's going to be, you know, and that what I've seen is like whenever you see a really brilliant projects that drop, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm going to use this idea, this seed, but I'm going to put my own DNA to it or put our DNA to it and build it out for the community that, 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 we're trying to speak to. That's going to happen a lot more. That's, that's my prediction. You know, one year, one year, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it when you, when you, uh, time capsule.
1: Oh yeah. We'll play the clip. a year from now. We're going to just have a soundboard of all your predictions. We'll play the clip. Yeah. Uh, this is great, man. Thanks for going deep with me. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks again to Steve Aoki for taking the time to be on Decoder today, and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'd love to hear what you think of Decoder. You can email us at at verge.com or hit me up directly. I'm at Reckless on Twitter. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like us, give us that five-star review. If you tweet the show at me, I will almost certainly retweet it. Decoder is a production of The Verge and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode was produced by Creighton D. Simone and Jackie McDermott. Additional research was done by Liz Leon. It was edited by Kelly Wright. Decoder music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior audio director is Andrew Moreno. Our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. We'll see you next time.
0: Support for Decoder comes from SAP Business AI. Imagine the most tedious task you have at work. Is it making all those manual adjustments to your weekly spending reports? Or sending essentially the same emails over and over again? If you're looking for ways to innovate your business, it might be time to consider SAP Business AI. With dozens of potential integrations to optimize sales, procurement, finance, human resources, and more, SAP Business AI may be able to improve your business operations inside and out. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI.